Pretty good singing, Sandra. Your singing's better than your beer. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Welcome to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. And today is a bit of a milestone show. We have hit our 40th official episode, and that's not including clip shows and exclusive Patreon episodes. It is just the normal scheduled episodes that we've had. Uh, This is number 40. We are coming closer and closer to that year mark. Uh, We are three months away until we can say it's our one year anniversary so there'll be lots of celebration when that happens and uh it'll be fun it'll be a fun time so uh today we have a good show waiting for you today it's st louis 2000 and uh unfortunately again this week we don't have matt on the show uh but tune in next week matt will be back next week and uh we will have a special announcement from him uh, that you won't want to miss. So uh, tune into that, and that'll be a good episode for sure next week. So uh, definitely check that out. And for for all of you uh, that you know listen in weekly, and uh, that you you guys know the drill. But for you guys that are just tuning in for the first time, they're always first time listeners. We are a podcast that primarily focuses on the Pearl Jam live shows. So what we do is we take any show in their live history in their catalog from 1993 to 1998 to 2005 and we will break down the whole entire set list we will talk about the legendary moments what worked what didn't work and basically share our love for all things Pearl Jam so that's what we do here if you uh, have a show that you're interested in hearing us cover send us an email live on four legs podcast that's the number four live on four legs podcast at gmail.com is the email send us an email let us know how you're liking the show let us know what you'd like to like us to cover we are open we are very open for ideas and suggestions and uh there will be a lot of opportunities for that in in the uh, upcoming months so keep that in mind uh and speaking of opportunities uh today's guest uh we we're given we gave out a really good opportunity for somebody that um uh had requested a show to come on and uh join us and talk about us uh talk about the show and uh and that's what we're going to do here in just a second but uh, i do want to plug 
Of course, our Patreon account for all of you that would like to subscribe and help out the show. Everything goes back into doing things for you guys once we get into doing uh, more live shows as the band goes back on tour, whenever that may be. Uh, We will set up meet and greets and parties, and we still want to do all that stuff anyway. Uh, But the Patreon donations definitely go to stuff like that. It all goes back to you guys. Uh, We have been talking about doing merchandise again, so that might happen. Uh, So definitely, if you are interested in exclusive episodes, which there are a couple up right now, but we promise there will absolutely be more. That is an uh, is definitely one of our objectives uh, at this point, and we are going to get more stuff there and more unique stuff too. It's not just covering shows and unique shows. Where uh, we have some plans for that uh, that we will get to and we'll announce at, at a later time, and um, hopefully we'll get to that pretty soon. The next coming weeks. So patreon.com slash live on four legs if you would like to subscribe. Uh, again, you get all the exclusive content that you can't get on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to these podcasts. So uh, let's get into it then. Our guest this week, he was the winner of the contest uh, where all the listeners uh, that, that wrote in and, and uh, pitched up all their shows, this was the one that got picked. And uh, here he is. It's Jeff Kohler. Uh, how's it going, Jeff? Uh, thanks for joining the show. Oh, thank you, Randy. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So um, what made you, uh, out of all the shows that are in the Pearl Jam catalog, uh, what made you choose this one? Well, probably, be. I mean, it being my, my very first Pearl Jam show um, was, was one, probably one of the reasons. Um, and... My wife was with me, and uh, she was actually we just found out she was pregnant with my my first child. So, oh wow, look uh, at that! Yeah, so it was. I don't know. I have a lot of a lot of good memories. That's awesome. That's 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 a really good story. So, how how far along was she while uh, while you were at the show? Just 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 found she was only about like four to six weeks. It was right at the beginning. Okay. All right. So you weren't really worried about right. like, uh, you know, something could, could happen. Uh, that, that, that's good that you weren't in a position of like absolute, you know, we right. might, we might be in an emergency situation yeah. here. So no, I, uh, I don't think she would have let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, were you living in, in St. Louis at the time? Is, uh, is that where you're from or? From I'm from St. Louis area, but um, we were actually we had moved and we were living down in, in Tennessee near kind of near Memphis. Okay. At the time, so we, okay. yeah, we drove up for it. Are you a St. Louis Blues fan by any chance? <laughs> I am. Well, congratulations! Uh, that was a long time Thank coming. You. Yeah, <laughs> forty nine years, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I saw something real random uh, today that that Brett Hulse spoke at uh, the parade, and he said something along the lines of like, "We're not saying let's go blues anymore." It said, "We went blues," and he was really pissed <laughs> drunk. And I thought it was kind of uh-huh. one of the weirdest, funniest things I've ever heard in a while. So, uh, um, yeah, he's kind of known for. Uh, 
for uh, getting in that kind of conditions when he gets in public. So. <laughs> <laughs> my, I can't say that name in this house uh, too loud. My fiance sitting over there. She's a Sabres fan. So any, uh, anybody that remembers that that series with Hall in the Crease uh, will remember right. that. Uh, that. That's right. That was yep, Buffalo. Yep, that was against Buffalo. So <laughs> and I probably, if she if she's listening right now, I'm probably getting the stink eye. She is not listening, so that's, that is a good <laughs> sign. Um, but going back to the show, uh, getting off hockey for a second, because this is, uh, you know, this is only yeah. sort of a hockey podcast. Uh, so <laughs> what, uh, you know, how how did how'd you end up here? How'd you, you know, Obviously, you'd probably been listening to Pearl Jam for years, and you know what was, right. you know, what was it like? Tell the whole experience, wanting to, you know, seeing that they were coming to town, coming to the the Verizon Amphitheater um, in uh, October 11th was the date. So, how did uh, how did all this come right. about for you? Well, my wife, knowing the big Pearl Jam fan I was, um, surprised me with buying tickets for it. Um, she even set it up. We stayed at the, the amphitheater, had a little hotel nearby and set that up so we could just shuttle right over to the, to the theater there and, and back. So, um, she set all that up for me and surprised me That's with cool. it. And, um, we went, yeah. But yeah, and it was the, uh, Riverport amphitheater. At the I time. figured that was probably a name change because Verizon in 2000, yeah. that wasn't really where cell phones were at right. the height. So, I mean, all these places, uh, you know, right. I'm, I'm in Connecticut and they have right. uh, the Xfinity Center and that was known as the New England Dodge Center for a while and it was known as the Meadows for a while and it, it's had like six names. Most of these amphitheaters are the same exact thing. You know, how many how many of them are named the, the Tweeter Center? <laughs> You know, it's kind of interesting because um, there was the the ice bowl from Alpine Valley, which there it was like 30 degrees mm-hmm. out. So what was, you know, October 11th and, you know, I don't know how far away it is, but the Cardinals were in the playoffs at the time. Uh, what was the weather? What was the temperature like for this? Because it's like Midwestern area, it's, you know. It, right. It, it was cool. I mean, it was cool and crisp. It, it could have been a lot a lot cooler considering that like you say the time of year but uh it was kind of you know ja- light jacket weather i can't remember okay. the exact temperature but it was it was probably you know probably in the in the 50s something like that that's not too bad at all and the, yeah the yeah. band everybody in the band was wearing t-shirts and i think yeah. even stone was wearing shorts i i wasn't sure if i picked up on that or not but um being your first show and being really excited about everything um what were the expectations like? What did, you know, what were the songs that were really heavy in your rotation at the time? What were the songs that you really wanted to hear uh, going into this? Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was a big yield fan for sure. Okay. So I was hoping, hoping for some yield songs. Um, and, um, and also probably verses, verses and yield were probably, my favorites um so i was probably hoping for songs from some some of those um i don't know remember going in with specific you know songs for sure that i wanted to wanted to hear um but uh but but those from from yield and verses would probably 
ones that I guess I would would have thought of coming into it. Yeah, and at, at the I think you you got a bunch. Um, I'm pretty sure there was at least like four or five yield, uh, five verses, and maybe probably like three or four yields. So I, I think you hit the. You hit pretty well there. Not too bad. No, not too bad at all on that standpoint. But also at this time, you're looking at six albums and binaural, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're obviously going to get binaural songs because it's the tour. But um, you know, you're pretty much getting an even amount of everything. Maybe a little less no code than the rest, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to go over some kind of like quick notes just about the binaural tour here because this was the second leg. Uh, they had gone from, I believe, like early August up until early September. Maybe it was late July. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. And this was the second leg of the tour that started uh, very early in October and kind of lasted until, I believe, early in November. And a lot of this stuff uh on this tour was filmed for the touring man dvd which uh obviously there's one very important moment that happened in this show that uh uh got mm-hmm. on the dvd and every, everybody knows what it is so you know there's no no need to tee that up uh but uh, <laughs> i was mentioning to you off air this really feels and i've i've said this a couple times on this show it feels like 2000 was kind of it, it's an interesting year because a, a lot of stuff going on russ killed was really important and you know the band there's a a, there's a weird vibe to the band because it's it's they're very hesitant still and you know there's still some nervous energy on stage even at this point in october it's only four months since the incident had happened that that, that's not a lot of time so um and they're really I, personally I, i've always felt like riot act was where that tour in 2003 was where they started to get into their own and and kind of become the live band that we see nowadays and do some of the same sort of stuff that they did in the riot act tour playing 30 plus songs uh this show is about a little over two hours long it's 26 songs long so it's not quite there it's still pretty impressive if you look at them uh across from other bands that's you know eight song encore is still pretty damn impressive but uh among pearl jam standards it it is kind of short uh but i i don't know if if they really had uh you know i don't know if they had the balls to uh uh, raise raise curfew and, and break curfew at this time. I, I, I feel like that was really a riot act thing uh, where they started to break curfew and go mm. go longer. So, um, you know, I, it's not really a formulaic show by any standpoint, but um, you get the sense that mm. a lot of these shows had the same kind of style to them. So, uh, and we've we've done at least two, two of the 2000 shows before and they were very kind of similar in style this is a little bit different and that's kind of what makes them all unique but uh it'll be interesting to uh to -hmm. talk about and and uh and break it all down so um and it starts out the show with of the girl which was really you know of the girl uh during the binaural tour was used a lot as an opener and it kind of since then is sparingly used but when it comes up it's a nice little gem it's a nice little nugget it gets you prepared for the night and that's what we're going to do for the show we're going to get you prepared we're going to get you warmed up and uh here's of the girl 
this being the first song you've ever heard, you know, like how, what was you, you getting kind of, uh, you get nervous at this point, you getting goosebumps, like what, what's, going, <laughs> what's going through your head? Yeah. Well, they were, uh, program was a little bit late for whatever reason coming oh, on. They're always late. <laughs> so, and I, you know, I didn't know what to expect there, but you know, the crowd was getting a little bit restless and antsy. And they were packed in there pretty good in the lawn. So, yeah, it was getting a little bit tense. Um, but, I mean, I was super anxious. Um, when they finally finally came out, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was excitement, but also a little bit of relief as well. Because <laughs> it was getting a little tense. Of course, yeah. No, it's it's always up to that, that first moment where you finally see them on stage and it feels like it, it's been forever since, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, in that time. And then when they finally hit the stage, it's, it's just kind of, it, it's, it feels like the perfect moment, but, um, of the girl being the opener, was this something that you were expecting or, uh, I know you said you kind of couldn't really remember what specific songs you were wanting, but like, did you kind of know and understand the flow of, uh, you know, what the band does, just not your typical, uh, opener kind of songs? Not really. I mean, I expected, I've been to, of course, quite a few concerts before, and it's more of the typical come out, at least with the rock bands, the hard, something hard hitting or, um, something up tempo. So I was, I was kind of thinking maybe, you know, go or something like that would start out. I wasn't really knowing what to expect. So yeah, it, being being slow, it did surprise me a little bit. Yeah, and and you know what, it's uh, it's a little bit different uh, than your other options that you have, like a, a release, a long road. It, it's um, it eases you into the set, but it also kind of is the head bob. It's kind of right. gets you clapping. Um, Mike is really driving the song, mm-hmm. always driving the song, and uh, you know everybody else is just kind of low key. It's it's this kind of slower paced. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Stone's, Stone's guitar is very subtle and low on it. Um, Nat has kind of a subtle beat to it. So, mm. uh, but the crowd at the end, you get a really good uproar at this yeah. and um, they, they, they're really digging it. And it's, yep. you know, album being out for six months or so. Uh, and everybody's kind of, uh, you know, they've, they've picked their favorites. And this crowd, it seems like of the girl was what was one of their uh, binaural favorites. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely knew the song because I've been listening to, to the album, so I was yeah, and it it, it sounded great. Um, like I said, I think McCready really really drove it, and, and uh, put in some really nice licks in in this song. So yeah, I was I was digging it for sure. It's definitely one of McCready's. Uh, McCready shines a lot on this album. He uh, does, seems <laughs> obviously, but yeah, uh, this is this is one I, I specifically really, really love from him. You get of the girl, and right afterwards, Ed says, "Good evening, St. Louis. We're in no hurry to leave Missouri, so enjoy your evening." And this is where you said you mentioned it. You said uh, you said go, and right. this is kind of uh, this is kind of perfect in my eyes yeah these three songs we did a couple weeks ago we did a show uh philadelphia 2005 and i really loved that first three after the opener songs it was hail hail brain of jay spin a black circle and this is mm. i think the only change i would make to that 
would be exactly this to put go mm. in right after the opener and get rid of uh, spin a black circle. So it's go hell, hell brain of Jay to start this off. It's really, really good start. I think mm. when we talked about this in the Philly show, we called it a punk trio. And again, like, no, it's not very far off from that, but um, I, I was, uh, I was blown away just by the, the song choices. Yeah, that was good. Uh, just hitting, hitting us hard. Right, right, one after the other, and uh, yeah, I think they they kind of flowed into each other real well. It was a little bit of uh, cracking in Ed's voice that I was noticing out of this, and um, it wasn't something that I was noticing from him most of the show. I think it was just early, and I think it was just kind of getting warmed up. Um, but uh, there was some there was some cracking early on. That that was it. It's a very small. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. very small judgment, but um, I, I feel like his voice was cracking a little early. But you know what? It's uh, it, the energy holds it together, and it fits the energy, so it it makes sense in this in this in this yeah. moment. So go otherwise sounds fantastic, like it always does, and going yep. right into hell hell. Um, what I thought was interesting about this, we we talk about this all the time too, is just how. The difference between Jack and um, and Matt's uh, drumming style on this song, mm. and this is still very early in Matt's phase where he's still figuring some stuff out, and he's still maybe used to uh, or you know taking some of what Jack did, taking some of what Dave did, and and trying to figure out how to make it his own. But this drum beat uh, in the beginning, specifically, that you know it, it, it pops. Uh, that kind of popping sound that really stands out. He's doing that like Jack used to do. Um, mm. And he doesn't really do that anymore. So I want to see what, what you, what you thought about at least uh, the differences and what you liked better. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was, uh, I didn't notice specifically the, uh, you know, at the time, as far as the, the drumming. Um, but uh you know, I did notice that. Well, I remember the uh, Ed doing the clapping yep. during the bridge, and I didn't know when he, if if he started around that time doing the the clapping, um, but uh, that was that was noticeable on that. And and um, also at the end of the bridge when Stone, you know, slides his finger down the fretboard, um, does that that slide down? I mean, that was that was pretty noticeable as well. Yeah. Yeah, little cool little moments like that mm-hmm. that that just kind of give it a little extra touch, right. a little extra edge, and and yeah, I think um, it probably was around this time where he started doing the clapping, and you know, like it, it's kind of uh, evolution from the song. It's one of those mm-hmm. things where you don't even think about that nowadays. It's just an automatic when you hear "Hell Hell." your mind automatically goes to, all right, I'm going to start clapping to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But to think of a day that that didn't happen is, is interesting. So you bring up a really good point there. Um, and with uh, this trio finishing up here, brain of Jay was at the end of this little section. And I mean, obviously I, I, I love all three of these songs and I love right. brain of Jay yep. not played a ton during this tour, only eight times out of about 47 shows. Uh, and it's just, again, the, the punk trio energy trio. Um, mm-hmm. and I think 
you know, the last uh, the last episode, one of the last episodes we did, um, we had Eddie on. Uh, no, not the Eddie that you're thinking of. It was a much different Eddie. Uh, and he said that, you know, the corduroy made him feel like he was at a show. And I always say that that's, you know, I need corduroy to be at the show. So I guess where I'm getting at it here is that I think these three are the perfect replacement. If you're not going to do corduroy in a set and you're waiting for your corduroy moment, these three are, are sort of getting you to forget that there usually is a corduroy moment. Right. Right. And I, I didn't even notice at the time or note, you know, that I wasn't still going, where's corduroy? So. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think that, um, you know, mo- most people that's, it's, the one thing on their bucket list, the first show, it's like, mm. Hey, you know, I want to hear corduroy and it'll make me feel like I'm in a Pearl Jam show. But I think yeah. with these three songs being here, I, I just don't, I don't think you needed it, which is, mm-hmm. is good because it, it's, it's not being used as a crutch. So right. man, man is smart for doing it. And again, the Ed's voice is not pristine on this night. Uh, the band sounds really tight. Um, but uh, at this point, I, and he gets to sounding better a little bit later, but again, mm-hmm. it's just a little, it's a little hoarse and it's, I guess, just a little bit of a warm up that he, he needed on this. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else on Brandon J before, uh, before heading off? No, the only note I made on that was that it was a nice, uh, nice stone solo. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize at the time that, Stone was the one doing the solo on that song. So he takes a lot of the yield solos. It is, uh, yeah, it is kind of does, a yeah. cool little aspect uh, that nobody realizes of yield is that it is maybe one. Well, binaural, binaural is very stone heavy too, but but yield especially is is uh, very much a stone and, and Jeff album. Um, so after Brandon J, we get a little bit of noodling where you hear kind of. Uh, a couple of chords of insignificance and Ed says that we're just warming up here. Uh, and last song was about how the world could be different. And this one is about sometimes feeling that it could be difficult to change it, but there's always potential. And that is insignificance. Um, really changing pace after the first three, it's uh, keeping the energy flow pretty high. Uh, but I mean, you're obviously this whole entire tour insignificance is is very prominent uh it's going to be played every night this uh which surprisingly grievance was not played on this night but you would think mm. this and grievance kind of going hand in hand with each other but um uh because they're very much the driving forces of the album but there's it's it's a good performance of the song i wouldn't say that this is my favorite spot for the song but um I I got I got nothing I got nothing against it here really. No, I thought it and I thought it worked worked okay where it was there, yeah. The the one thing that I will say here is that um you're kinda you're kinda changing the pace a little bit after the first three and then you're sort of with the next song going back to that original pace with whipping. And mm-hmm. uh I don't know. It was a little jarring. It was kind of like, do you want to continue and make it a four song section and add whipping into that? Or are those, 
are those three songs so prominent, so good next to each other that you kind of want a little space in between and you can have it both ways. But uh, honestly, like my real take on whipping, not just in the spot, but in general, I'm sort of just over this song. Uh, we've, <laughs> we've talked about it, you know, here and there in all different spots. And this is pretty early in the set for us to, uh, to be talking about it, but it's just, Right, right now for me, it's lacking a lot of the depth that others do live, and it, it's becoming that take it or leave it, uh, you know, for the lack of any other terms. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's okay placement. I think that it would have worked before insignificance, and then going insignificance, and and then insignificance yeah. in the light years would have been really nice because it's kind of it's taking it down a little bit, and then it's taking it down a little bit more instead of taking it down a little bit, going up, going way up with whipping and, and, you know, going full speed and then taking it kind of way down with light years. I think that's a little, it's a little jarring in my eyes. Yeah. Taking your point. Yeah. I mean, they could have switched it too. Um, I could definitely see that. So that, uh, that gets us from whipping into light years here and, and really we don't, get to cover light years at all uh i don't remember the last time we talked about it and if we did it was probably uh i don't even remember the last time we played it to be honest with you so uh i think that if we did cover it it was probably on one of those shows where we had so many other things to talk about that it just kind of needed to take uh a little bit of a spot on the back burner but not today while i don't really like how songs were placed around it i think this is really a sweet spot for light years uh so we're gonna hear it now and uh we'll come back and we'll we'll chat a little bit about it still feels a little bit like ed is cracking uh but he does seem like he's a bit more warmed up um bridge on this song sounded a tad bit off which doesn't bother me too much but 
it came, you know, just just sort of thinking about this song and how uh, this song is constructed. Uh, there are a lot of pauses and a lot of spots where you know Matt kind of has to control the the pacing of the song, and um, you can really you can really get off track if if you're not paying attention to what Matt's doing, and Matt needs to be like on target and i really feel like during those spots where you get those like brief little like before he gets into the chorus and wherever you are um it's it sounds really good and it's hard to it seems like it would be hard to uh perfect from from a live standpoint Mm -hmm. yeah maybe being being a new song and i don't know how much they had played it up to this point but um you know being somewhat a new song and being a little more Maybe a little more difficult to, for timing and so forth. They had, they'd played it uh, thirty nine times, so it was it was it was a pretty big staple of uh, you know, and they were doing European shows before doing their mm-hmm. uh, two right. two legs uh, in the U.S. But you know they they're pretty used to it at this point. But I, I just think that it's kind of interesting that uh, you know that little things that you don't think about on the album that can be you know if one false move live and it could sound pretty bad. And I thought that they were going to go off the rail with it a little bit, but Matt really kept it together. This is, this is a very good Matt Cameron show. Uh, I was very impressed from what I heard with him. Uh, Again, good spot. I just didn't really like what was around it because following it is state of love and trust. And this is not, a move they would make in the set nowadays. I feel like they would kind of build back up into, uh, into this, maybe doing, uh, you know, doing something like faithful or something that has, uh, some sort of slower tempo or, you know, lighter tempo, I should say. Uh, and then going into state of love and trust, I feel like they were kind of, they were kind of switching it up a little early. I, I don't know how I feel about this and, and this part in the set. Yeah. Um, I was just so, yeah, I mean, I, I love the, the song. So I was, I was pretty, pretty pumped up when they, when they, when they got, got into state. So I was, yeah, I was, I was happy at that point. And at this point there, uh, what, what I do like about it is they're still, at this point, playing it pretty close to the original version, how it's slow and it's kind of, uh, they're not trying to play beat the clock with it and, you know, finish it in two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like right. it's it's paced and it sounds like you can enjoy it. Yes. And I thought, I mean, Mike's solos on this song, I thought stood out. Yeah. No, this is, again, while, while it's a very good match show, it's a very good Mike show as well. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, and that, that's, that's nothing new. That's, that's nothing new that we're sharing with you guys, but you know, it's, it's also, it's, it's, it's not par for the course either. It's, 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 it's above that. So um, I just, I, I, again, future years to come in the last 19 years that they've played, I don't feel like this was, and has been a good spot for state of love and trust. I feel like it's been such a cult classic song that it needs more build going into it. It can be in an encore. It can be late in the first set where I, I I really like it late in the first set the best, but here eight songs in and kind of in a spot where it's, 
it, it has a direction, but you're not really sure what that direction is going to be at this point because they've kind of been all over the charts. Here's some really fast ones. Here's some mid-tempo. Here's some very lighter lighter tempo songs. And then you go to this and it's kind of, you're not really sure what direction they're going to take. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think they were sure because they didn't really know what was going to happen at this point. So this is uh, this is probably, everybody knows this, this is probably the most famous uh, moment from this show. Um, and I'll kind of verbatim uh, speak uh, in Ed speak here. And he says that something interesting is happening on the side of the stage. If it's happened before, we've never seen it. There is somebody signing every word that we say or we sing. And it's much more interesting than watching any of us, except for maybe Matt Cameron. So Ed asks uh, the sign language interpreter if she'd like to stand up a little higher. Uh, he thinks that she should. If she were willing, he'd be ve- they'd be very excited about that. So uh, Ed and the security guard, the security guard kind of gives her the little leg boost uh, and boosts her up on the stage. And she's she's very she's waving to the crowd and she looks very she's very humble. She's very nervous. And uh, Ed introduces her. Uh, says this is Kim and I'm looking forward to seeing what the next song sounds like or, uh, or looks like um, so unfortunately we are not a podcast that does video uh, but if we did we would show you uh, this clip because this is this is the clip from the show but obviously this is going to be all over our, our social media pages we're going to be talking about this a lot before you even get to hear this episode so we'll have to settle for for listening to it here so uh if you can if you can sign along but if you can't then then enjoy and uh here's give and fly So Jeff, talk us uh, talk us through the moment and sort of like I, I feel like this is the moment that really kind of broke the crowd free and and they really enjoyed and respected uh, that this pretty cool thing was happening on stage. Yeah, um, and it, Ed actually stopped. I think Mike was getting ready to go into uh, the chords there, and he it stopped him 
and then call you know called attention to the sign language interpreter and we didn't know at first what was going on uh, could you see her at all i know you you, said you were on the lawn right right couldn't really see her at when he was first calling her out so we didn't know who or what he, he was talking to at the time um but then when he went over there to and brought her on stage and they put her up there of course she was with ed but up there on the on the big screen um so at that point we could get a good good look at her and uh so yeah it was it was a cool moment for sure um and uh yeah she and she really you got to give her credit she got really got into oh yeah it. she she certainly did and um uh yeah she um that it, it was fun to watch her uh that's for sure uh and she's dancing and she's not just signing but like what I was reading when I was doing more research into not just her, but into what uh, sign language interpreters do at con- at concerts like this is that they try to um, match and mimic the uh, uh, the tempo of the music. So the way that she's dancing, the way that she's moving is sort of a way to interpret um the pacing of the song and and how the song is going so it's it's not just dancing on purpose she's not just like in it just because she's in it that that's all you know it's kind of a graceful beautiful kind of art in a way um it's just it's it's very cool and even uh when they're you know kind of in a bridge or uh you know in parts where it's just mike and matt um she's she's actually mimicking the the guitar during the critical sections which i Mm -hmm. I thought was great she she in a situation that was completely uh random and improvised she she nailed it she killed it and uh then you get the, the sweet little moment at the end where ed uh takes her and and does a little dance with her at the end and it was it was a really sweet moment yeah it, it was it was and I, I think i think it may i mean maybe just just because of that you know maybe maybe putting something more into it than was there but it seemed like the the performance seemed a little a bit inspired maybe a little more i think so yeah i think there was a little something extra to it uh i saw it in and some of the guys were, I saw Matt looking over a couple of times, just kind of like seeing what she's doing, because I, I don't know if the rest of the guys had been paying attention to her as much as, as Eddie had. Um, it, it's tough to tell. I know that mm-hmm. there is uh, some video out there, but it's not just for the song. Obviously there's video out there for the song, but uh, for the right. first uh, part of the set, um, it, it's tough because some of it is uh, screen video and, and and whatnot. It's tough to tell, but right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, this sort of unfortunately ends on a sad note because uh, uh, four years ago in 2015, uh, Kimberly Ray Schaefer, who is the uh, uh, the sign sign language interpreter, uh, passed away due, uh, due to an illness. Um, so just kind of gathering things from what I was reading, uh, people for years were apparently trying to get her to do more for the band and to do more interpretations at shows. Uh, and one of the shows that people were trying to get her, uh, at was PJ 20. And what's interesting here is that, 
um, what I didn't know is apparently there are interpreter laws that prevent that prevented her for uh, you know Wisconsin mm-hmm. interpreter laws that prevented her from being at that show, which is is weird and it's a shame and it's uh, I don't know why they would do that like why why would things be prevented like that I don't know if it's a safety issue it just seems it seems really strange that they would say no to somebody that's trying to help people that are impaired. It's it's very strange. Right. No, I see positives there, but yeah, this is, this is why, this is why you vote folks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's the moment that, that, that these are the kind of laws that come up in, uh, uh, you know, at the, at the town hall meetings and such. Uh, But, all, all jokes aside, she she left behind a very touching moment in the band's legacy that people really uh, do still reference to this very day. So uh, overall, very cool moment. And uh, yeah, we get to kind of anytime you want to watch the touring band DVD that is on. It is on YouTube and it, it is a fun look back. It's a fun watch back. And obviously that is that is a highlight of it. Um but real quick on that, I, I was reading uh, something from one of the videographers. Uh, it, it was kind of a in memoriam to to Kimberly, uh, and he was saying that everybody, when they were putting together the Touring Man DVD, they were trying to decide: do we want to do one show? Do we want to do just you know take clips from all different shows? And and every time they came up with an answer, they were just like we have to have that version of given a fly on the DVD, no matter what. So I, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. That, that kind of speaks to uh, how important the moment is. So, uh, and that brings us into animal, which um, really I felt this is what, while the energy is there with given a fly for sure, I feel like the energy goes up probably tenfold with animal and the everybody's just uh the band is really into it and it's kind of like this happy joyous uh moment that it it gets you to that point where uh everybody knows that something great just happened and and you're just it's it's a celebration of what just happened and that's what animal is yeah and uh of course i was i was pretty excited um being a being a versus guy um to hear him play it and it was the first sing-along i guess really of the set so far because ed did let let the crowd sing um the second second chorus um which was kind of cool yeah no this is this is a really good version of animal and and obviously uh animal is usually a top three top four uh kind of song so when they do it middle of the set like this um it is a different dynamic and uh just interesting that they're bringing the energy from given a fly into animal and, and it just uh i almost think that this version of animal is up there with given a fly due to everything that had just happened it, it's uh it's really mm-hmm. having their step and um here we get a little section here where it's kind of a in a way I don't want to say cool down, but it, it, it is definitely a lighter part of the set. Uh, we've seen kind of a roller coaster of emotions the last 10 or so songs. And uh, that's where we get elderly woman here. And um, 
I don't know. I feel like off of Animal, like you wanted – I feel like you probably should have gone into Evenflow. You probably should have had that moment, kind of taken that energy and um, and kind of went off of it instead of uh, sort of toning it down a little bit. Like Elderly, elderly Woman is great and it's obviously a fantastic crowd participation song and sing-along, but I, I don't – know if the crowd was ready for that yet yeah um it, it did the energy kind of there's some energy definitely definitely left coming down from from animal there i would agree with you on that it, one. uh yeah it, it's it's weird i think that i'd rather than pick a lane in this situation you know make a decision whether or not you want to drive with a couple of really heavy and hard stuff or uh or decide to have the lighter set and and they kind of do pick a lane in the next three songs they're kind of of similar nature but Mm. uh before that everything was really a roller coaster and they uh, you know when obviously they they didn't know that this would happen that a woman would come on stage and do sign language for given a fly so Maybe they they wouldn't. Of course, they wouldn't predict that the energy would be there for the song because it's it's an unpredictable moment. But um, even so, looking at the set list and maybe figuring the set list out, I, I don't know what their thought was to maybe try a different way of getting to even flow or, or or what. But a animal into even flow would have been the move for me. Ed kind of mentions after this, he says how beautiful it was on the lawn out there. And he said he knows that there were just lighters, but they made them look like souls that were bouncing around as the song goes. So you remember that? Like, this is very obviously not a cell phone moment, but uh, everybody bring their lighter out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the pre, pre-cell phones at the concerts. Yeah, I remember, I do definitely remember him saying that. Um, I did. I, I wasn't one of the dancing souls because I didn't smoke. Okay. So no lighter for me. But uh, but I remember specifically him saying that at the time. I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah, we like to. We haven't used the term in a while. We haven't been able to, but we like to call them the fireflies. Uh, and yeah, it's it's all cell phones now. But um, you know, I kind of I kind of want to get back into bringing a lighter to a show. I, and I never smoked, but I always, yeah. uh, you know, early on I would bring lighters to a show for that factor just to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, so right. I think, I think I might want to, I think I might want to bring it back. Well, we'll have to see. Hey, you start a trend. Start, restart <laughs> a trend. <laughs> oh, all those kids out there will be like, what is he doing with fire? What is this? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Uh, so elderly woman goes into wish list and again you know this is more section this is more these songs kind of belong together and you're kind of setting up for even flow and that's why i'm kind of okay with even flow where it is because the setup is pretty good um you know we we don't really talk about wish list a lot matt and i really don't uh it's not one of our favorite favorite songs for either of us uh but you know, performance-wise, I, I usually think that uh, it's not a song that they they fell at a lot, and this one sounded fine. Um, but it's the best thing about this was the finish, and there was no dawdling at the end. There's no ramble. It was just 
Mike trailing off a little bit, and then finally it fades out and goes into the next song, which we'll kind of I want to get to in a second, but I just want to get your thoughts on Wishlist before going going further. Yeah, the only thing I have on Wishlist is I was glad that they played it because one of my wife's favorite Pearl Jam songs. So and um, the Yield song. Yeah, exactly, and the Yield song. So, uh, so yeah, uh, was glad they played it. And uh, again, the best part of this was just that little ending. So what we're going to do here is kind of take you off where Mike kind of trails off into the little ending and the way that it kind of ends on that little sting. And, and most people know that when whenever they, they finish a wish list, it's kind of an ongoing thing. And Ed will either do some sort of tag or some sort of ramble with a tag. It's usually politically inclined, but uh, this this one, it just kind of finishes on a perfect note because it's wishless one of those random songs where it kind of ends while Eddie's singing on the album. And it's just kind of, how do you make that translate live? This is the way it should be. Not only that, the way that it transitions into the next song is, boy, is this good. Um, this is probably one of my favorite moments from this show. So uh, I won't even... I won't even tell you what the next song is. We're just going to play it and it's just going to shock and surprise you right out the gate. So get all this goodness in and, and enjoy it. transition that that pounding mad drum beat going in in my tree wow was that was that not one of the best parts of the show here that was great that was great i love the uh love match matt's drums in here it seems like it's kind of the closest version to to jack irons i mean it's probably my favorite version that without without jack it's just i love the way he's uh he's playing there and and uh, yeah, it, it just like you say, going from going from wishlist right into that, it just with those with the drums and yeah, it was it was a it was a great moment. It's seamless and it's just uh, man, you're you're on the you're you're on track there with it's it's very much channeling Jack and um, mm. uh, Jack had a heavy 
version to the song. It was very Tom heavy, heavy hits. Jack was always a heavy hitter uh, uh, when he was playing in this band. So um, usually in my tree is a little bit, I guess a little bit subdued nowadays. And I go back to kind of the Moline version where uh, <laughs> they were playing in my tree as they were supposed to be playing who you are. Uh, <laughs> right. But um <laughs> This was, man, this was him pounding, going away at it like there was absolutely no tomorrow. And this was just the whole version of the song and the way that they played it, uh, to me, one of the high, high points of the night. Um, we've talked a lot lately because of the time periods that we've been doing. We've been doing a lot of In My Tree versions that have been that alternative version uh, that's been a little mm-hmm. slower and that's had that chorus that's been more spread out. But um, this feels like a, a refresh on the original version for me. It's getting me pumped to just talk about it. it. It has that that groove that makes the song feel really good the whole way through. And it's just it's fast, too, but it's not it doesn't overdo itself. It, it fits mm-hmm. just perfectly into what this little section is and how to end this section. And, um, you know, sometimes I think that. You know, nowadays, the way it's played and and the way that it can be perceived with with Matt's drumming style on it, um, you can kind of see that it's it's a song that can kind of get you into the slump. But that was absolutely not a case in this song. This was this was fantastic. This version. Yeah, I I agree. It's definitely a, a highlight of the show. The big things that I'm starting to realize is that when you get songs that you're going to play in the middle of a set, you have to think of what you're building to. And obviously, at some point, you got to build to even flow. And I, I do feel like this little section here builds to it really well. You got to, you know, take the crowd kind of out of it a little bit and bring them back into it within my tree. And then once even flow hits, I, I feel like there was just kind of a sudden rush of the crowd again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brought it, brought it back up for sure. It's kind of, it's your regular, regularly scheduled ass mm-hmm. kick as yeah. I, as I say in my notes here, uh, there's, there's a good Mike solo in this one. He mm-hmm. sounds really tapped in. Um, when the pace gets lo- a little lower, he's kind of pulling something out. It, it's, it's like this graceful sound. sort of i wouldn't say like heavenly but it's uh it's delicate and it just it's different than than stuff that he usually does now that's just like speed zone fast uh let's let's see how crazy i can get let's see how intense i can get this is this is tapping into another character yeah my my mind was blown uh seeing the solo this for the first time um and uh it was it was it was pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. And did you hear the, uh, during the, one of the quieter parts of the solo, the guy that yells out, um, uh, McCready rocks. 
he kind of screamed it out. Uh, I did not hear that. Uh, if you listen to it again, just too close, kind of doing the quiet one of the or quiet parts of the solo. Yeah, the guys just like McCready rocks. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's like the Pearl Jam version of Freebird. We hear it all the time. <laughs> uh, but another real great thing to that that little part with McCready, uh, Matt. While while they're kind of you know. Uh, uh, getting a little lower and kind of setting up to go back into the final chorus. Matt punches back in and does this short little solo and that mm. brings it all together. That that's, that's the best part about this song. It's, it's a very, uh, very above average version of even flow here for sure. I would agree. And that takes us to daughter. And uh, this is kind of uh this is where we get a little bit of interesting turn of events that happens uh, uh, at this. And not much to say. I don't really have much to say on Daughter, the song itself. If, if you got something to say, I'll, uh, I'll give you the platform for it here. Um, not really about the song itself. Um, you know, they, they, it's a pretty good, good callback during the tag, whatever you call it, something of a tag. Um, yeah, it was, the, yeah, to him. It wasn't a real tag. But. No, no, it, it, tag snippet. It was just kind of, I'll say it was more of a scatting, like scatting bebop, whatever mm. you want to call that. Um, it's it's Ed's version of that, but man, it, it's it's good. It, it's really good, and mm. and he's getting back into it, back and forth with the crowd, and it's a really good moment until he trips and falls backwards. Uh, yeah. Did, so, did you see it? And what was everybody's reaction to it? What was the band's reaction? What take us through that? Yeah, um, I didn't see him actually fall, um, but it seemed like uh, seemed like you know there was something. Couldn't tell what happened. I don't. It's not like anybody stopped playing. You can't really tell you listening tell to it. But um, uh, um, I think. I don't know if they were, it just, there it seemed like, I don't know if they were a couple of the guys were looking back at, looking back at Ed, but, uh, he, he was pretty, uh, pretty s- as smooth, I guess, as you can be. Cause about it, cause I didn't really see it happen, but, uh, he's, he was definitely doing a little bit of, uh, limping, bouncing around afterwards. Yeah. And you know, it's, um, the, they're going into to better man being the next song and he has to be on stage with the guitar and, and you're right. He is, he is limping. Uh, it's, he twists his ankle in some, some shape or form. And, uh, while listening to better man, I'm trying to listen to see if there's some hesitation, if there's some struggle. Mm-hmm. And if, if you didn't know what just happened if you were just listening right. to the bootleg and didn't know the story about it, would you be able to tell that there was something noticeably wrong? And no, this was, this was like nothing happened at all. This he's really, uh, you know, this is akin to a hockey player getting his bell rung and going out there for the next shift and, you know, right. playing the rest of the game. Cause that's just, that's just what you do. Ed finished the game. And, and although in some spots in the encore and uh you know later in the set uh you can kind of tell that ed is laboring through it a little bit and he's just kind of wanting it to end in a way where 
it's it is uncomfortable for him. Uh, he doesn't really tip his cap to it. No, he didn't say anything about it. That's for sure. No, no, and we we dealt with shows very recently where Ed was complaining to the crowd how you know oh i'm i'm sick right now everybody i'm sick so if i sound bad i'm sick and you listen to it it's like well if you wouldn't have told me you were sick i wouldn't have thought you were sick so you shouldn't have said anything so uh he's he is he is in in tough ed mode uh he's going out there and and going up like a champ everything sounds good for better man um it could sound a little fuller by and large, but uh, again, if you're not reading about him twisting the ankle, you wouldn't have noticed any red flags at all. It's it's a very straight and to the point version with no tag of save it for later. And, uh, you know, if this song is in the first set, that's how I like it. I like it without the tag because it's very much more of an encore thing to tag it with and to have it be more elaborate. Uh it's more of a specialized thing for an encore in my eyes, or if you want to do a first set closer, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a good spot and uh, I was just a, a good version. Um, nothing, not a standout or anything. That's all right. Cause you know, better man sometimes is a major mm-hmm. standout of the show, but when you can get it and have it not be a standout. That's uh I mean, it's still pretty good too because the crowd was uh, crowd was singing along, crowd was into it. So uh, that takes us only a couple more left in the first set. That takes us into footsteps, which Stone says we haven't played this one in a while. And if it weren't for last week, uh, I would say we haven't heard this one in a while. But we did just hear it uh, during the Mamasan that we talked about last week with the Zerk show. Uh, but we have actual harmonica in this and this song was played only six times on this tour. And, uh, you know, now we kind of have a good sense of how footsteps fits in a set. It's more of an encore song. It's more part of that kind of campfire cool down. Um, but this is kind of interesting here uh to get this to go into the final song that would that would close the set what what did you think about this well i had no idea because i didn't at the time not being a as hardcore fan as maybe some other people i i uh i knew the song i knew the uh, times of trouble by temple of the dog because i sure i love that record i played it over and over but um so when I first started, so first started into the song, I was like, "What is going on? This is this is you know times of trouble." Um, so I didn't I didn't know the story of the the of the songs and two songs. Um, so I was kind of baffled throughout that song, even though it sounded good. I was a little bit confused. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I got a lot of really ugly looks at. Uh at the day that I went to the temple, of the dog show, because I decided to sing footsteps over time is a trouble. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I got, I got some pretty ugly looks from people like either they didn't know what I was doing or they were just like, that's just wrong. You should not. <laughs> right. But there, there is, if you, if you look for it, there is a mashup 
somewhere on YouTube where, you know, they go uh, the first verse of Footsteps and then they'll do uh, the first verse of Times of Trouble and then they'll kind of mix and match the choruses. Mm. Um, it can be done better. I have, you know, if if I had the technology to, to edit a song and mix a song, yeah. I, I'd have ideas for it. But, um, you know, there is a version out there if you were all interested. But um, this is uh, this is cool here because it's it's really spotlighting rearview mirror. It's kind of, you know, songs aiding other songs is sort of a theme that. I like to touch up on now because it's not something that we really thought of uh, in the earlier episodes, this being the 40th official episode that we've done. Um, we've sort of kind of grown as a podcast and have new things to, to discuss and, and songs building into other songs and, and it's the destination. And when you're building the set list, you have to think of what are the songs that are, are the heavy hitters, the main songs that we need to prepare and build to. And, Obviously, to finish the set, it's rearview mirror is the one that you have to build to in this situation. So you get a better man that's uh, it's very straightforward with no tag, and then footsteps, which is kind of very cool down, and it kind of it gives you a very relaxed vibe uh, while you know still having that emotion and that passion and that uh, fantastic harmonica sound. But that's building to your big moment with rearview mirror. Yeah, and they go kind of right into rearview mirror there's no uh kind of slow guitar intro by ed like a lot he does a lot of times now or later on oh that um, is getting, gets right into it do not do not like that that slow rear view uh <laughs> you know whatever plucky build that they want right. to do it's sort of akin to the uh to the porch build uh that we also don't like mm -hmm. even even less than than that so uh yeah, this is this is really I, I this is a destination song. Uh, this is one I, you said verses. This you want to hear the verse track. If if there's any song from verses that you want to hear, I, I I think this is you know a top two or three. Absolutely, yeah. To get to that destination and to go from footsteps into rearview mirror works really well to close it. Um, it's it's a little bit of a choppy version in the the chorus and in the verses. Uh, and it really doesn't pick up the steam until you hit the bridge. And I really felt like the bridge on this is, uh, is really interesting because we, we mm -hmm. talked about how the bridges have, have de developed and, and been experimented and changed over the years. And some of the things Stone was doing, just really cool techniques, uh, yeah. kind of sounding like almost like it was if, if you couldn't hear the rest of the band that he'd be doing kind of the, the soundtrack for like a B movie horror B B horror movie or something <laughs> like that. It's kind of got that like sort of, I don't know, uh, Friday the 13th mixed with Halloween vibe to it. And it, but it's still a little light and airy and it, and it just, it, it gives, it has such a great, canvas to build from um everybody's kind of doing their own thing but kind of doing it together and it sounds fantastic on this it's almost a little i don't know pink floydish okay um i'll take that yeah something like 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 echoes or something like that it's a little bit some of that reminded me of 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I you know, um, we're gonna have to add that to the list because uh, we've talked about versions that sound a lot like Abbey Road style uh, uh, from the Beatles, and there was another version that kind of sounded, I guess, a little bit more Zeppelin style that we talked about. But uh, calling this Pink Floyd style, I th- I think you're onto something. I think I like it. <laughs> that's what I thought of anyway. Um, and that. That takes us to the end, you know, Saul feels all mirror mirror stuff. Uh, uh, and you have an epic ending with that and you're closing out your first set. Uh, going into the encore right away, Ed, just little one little thing just to say, just to say hi, we're back. And he says, it ain't over till it's over. And that takes us into break or fall. Um, it's a little bit sloppy out of the gate. It just, I don't know. I I think I should have listened to the song one more time because it felt like it lasted about a minute and uh, didn't really work for this in, in this part of the set for me. Hmm. Yeah. um, I, you know, got it. I thought it it was one that I can't, you know, specifically remember hearing, but uh, I know it seemed like got a pretty good crowd response for being a new song. But uh, it may not be the best performance of it. No, it's you know I feel like this is another one that you uh, building to it is 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 important or building off of it is important and um, to build off of it for the next song and it's sort of it doesn't make sense to do break or fall if you wanted to do like a last exit and then break or fall or, or uh, there needed to be something in between the two, uh, you know, break or fall last exit. And then you, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that would have happened, I would have been okay with it, but I thought it was just a little, I feel like you need to, to play off of that energy from break or fall, which they didn't do, uh, in this instance, because, uh, Ed is uh trying to uh to tell the the crowd he's he's saying uh we're gonna try something that we've never done before this is an unheard of b-side at some point and not just uh a one word title but a one letter title and he says it's actually a print song and it starts like this first time they had ever done you live uh very you know no lost dogs at the time and obviously they recorded a ton of those lost dog songs uh as uh b-sides and and outtakes for binaural and and this was one of them um so it's 
it's interesting that they chose this night to, to bring it out. So what was what was the crowd reaction to this? Did did people kind of know what was going on or were people just kind of just, you know, into it for the sake of being into it? Yeah, I don't know that anybody knew really what was going on with it. Um because uh yeah, being being as as rare as it was. Uh but yeah, I mean I think people like you say got into it just for um, I mean, it sounded good, so it was, you know, they were, they were, they were into it. But I think at the beginning there were some, a little bit of some quizzical, quizzical looks, trying to figure out what it was. Yeah, and and that's that's understood. Um, you know, I don't think anybody likes going to shows where, you know, they think they know the whole entire band's catalog. The first, the first show as like an independent adult and i wouldn't even say adult because i was 15 at the time of the show uh like my first show on my own with my friends that wasn't you know my dad dragging me to go see the eagles or james taylor or something like that uh was system of a down in 2002 jones beach and i mean i they were my one of my favorite bands at at that point and I had just been listening to they had two albums at the time. I'd been listening to both of them, just kind of thinking in my mind, uh, what are they going to play? When are they going to play it? All that stuff. And the first song they play, their opener, is a B-side that nobody, nobody's ever heard of before. A song called Johnny. And it's one of their weirdest, kookiest songs. And I don't even think... Uh, are, are you a system of a down guy at all? Were you into them? No. Not really. No. no? Okay. Um, they came out with uh, the steal this album and uh, this song didn't even make that album. That's how kooky and weird it was. And to see that he came out in some sort of like devil robe or something like that. And I'm trying to think to myself, I'm like, am I supposed to know this? Is this supposed to happen? You mean like the lyrics are like, hello, my name is Johnny. Well, hello, my name is Johnny. I like to explain myself and I like to complain in vain. Sweet little boy. It's odd. It's an odd, (laughs) odd song. And I kind of love it because, because of that, uh, and then yeah. you know the rest of the set is is all the toxicity and self titled album songs and you know everything that you would expect. But uh, I did out of all the scenarios in my head, like to to open with that, um, absolutely confusing. And I can see how people, even in the spot, not as prominent of a spot, but it's still you know an encore and and not knowing the the song at all. Uh, you know, that just confusion and it's sort of, it, it's a short song to begin with. It's kind of a pop song. So it probably takes you until like halfway through the song to realize, okay, let's just listen to it and take it in instead of figuring it out. And yeah, yeah. it's not a weird song. It's not a weird song like that, uh, like the uh, system. No, it's 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 not that. It's more. It's a little more straightforward than that. But uh, you know, it's it's not it's not something that they've really pulled out live uh, much after this. Uh, During this tour, Mm -hmm. they did it four more times. uh, But overall, 
24 times the song has been played uh and it was played uh fenway night two so it is standing Mm -hmm. right now as uh there are zero zero shows in between uh that that they've played it so uh and i think they played it at wrigley too from past year so Mm. you know they're at least getting back into it a little bit and feeling a groove with it but i uh we don't get to talk about the song a lot um I, I, I dig the song. It, it's it's catchy. It's fun. It's got a nice little bass line uh, and the bass intro, but um, not not one of the ones off of Lost Dogs. I would I would be like I'm I would love to hear this. Yeah. One other uh, note about that in the uh, Pearl Jam Twenty book, um, I read this part of it or remember part, but say, where they said on that that uh, for this show. They actually had to find and download the song from Napster to relearn how to play it. I thought that was That's funny. Fantastic. That's really good. <laughs> and you know what? I have the book too. I, I I should have I should have read that section. But good on you for for doing that because that's uh, that's one of the best nuggets that that we can come up with in this show. Right. Uh, especially <laughs> Napster uh, bringing, bringing those names back. Yep. And we can we can do name dropping all day of all those. Uh, uh, all those software, the lime wires, the uh, kazaz of the world. Any, any yeah. more, any others that you remember? Oh my gosh, not offhand. There was one called Morpheus that I used for a okay. while. Yeah, lime water, yeah. well, lime wire and kazaz were the ones. They were they were the most prominent ones after that. Yeah, I think. And uh, yeah, those three I think were the biggies. And they they killed. They killed. It was like the it was like the black plague for for computers, <laughs> right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so, if uh, if you had a computer in between two thousand and two thousand and four, um, it it was absolutely fried during that time. So uh, that uh, so you takes us into do the evolution and uh, it's 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 standard. It's it's an okay version. I wasn't really loving anything about it i I, you know the placement's fine uh but i I guess i was just kind of wondering how ed is feeling during this one because i i feel like there's a little bit of just strain in his voice like he's just kind of he's kind of ready for you know to to end it almost he's he just wants to get through it I, i kind of feel yeah I, I agree. I think he sounded a little, little, little strained. Maybe a little bit lower energy in this one than he normally has. Yeah, and 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 I'm gonna you know bring back the 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 ankle, and yeah. I, I think it's at this point he's it's it's bothering him a little bit. And although he may not be showing it, uh, he's definitely feeling it. So um, you know. There were some notes on places like Five Horizons that said that they thought uh, momentum was a little uh, lost after after he had his little incident, but um, I, I disagree with yeah. that. I don't think momentum was lost a little bit. I think Better Man wasn't wasn't epic like it could be, but I, I think they bounced back just fine yep. from after that. So. Anything else on evolution? Uh, no, I don't think so. I didn't write anything else. Then we'll we'll dig in the porch. Uh, it's a one, two, three, four intro, but still 
kind of a riffy beginning. Uh, there's, it's not as just fast and kick ass as, as you know, the versions that we'd like to be. It, it's still sort of in between the old version and the new version. Uh, but I would consider it close enough to the good version where it's not, it's not necessarily killing mm-hmm. me here. Um, the solo section, honestly, I'm a little bored by it. I didn't really love what they were doing. It was just kind of Jeff keeping pace while Stone and Mike are, are switching back and forth between like a delay sound and mini solos. And it's just out of all of the things that they could do for ports. This one just sounded just a little dull. Yeah. Just a little boring. Yeah. uh, On the positive side, it wasn't very long. The long, the interlude wasn't near as long as, it can be. They can be anyway for the later shows. At least it was fairly short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think at this at this time they only have four more songs to get through in the set, so um, they're probably cognizant about time. And you know, this yeah. is not this is not a long show by any standard. So uh, right, you know, they are cognizant of the curfew as well. This being an outdoor venue, it's probably pretty strict. I would think. Uh, I do know from the times that they played the Xfinity Hartford uh, venue that uh, they had to cut at least one or two songs in order to hit that, uh, I think, 1045 curfew it is that they have there. So mm-hmm. unfor- unfortunately, that kind of uh, takes away from from what you can possibly get in epic versions of, of songs. But um, yeah, right. this, is, this, is, this is not the greatest porch, so... Uh, all right. Here, this is this is a fun moment for me to talk about because I kind of remember this. Uh, Ed says he just got news that the Cardinals won, and the crowd goes nuts. And this is a world before cell phones, so you know people right. weren't getting updates. They weren't, you know, uh, they weren't checking their app uh, in in the encore. So it's kind of funny that he he builds them up. And then tears him down. He says, wait, you know what? Sorry, actually, they lost. Uh, and the crowd is just... <laughs> so I'm, gu- I'm guessing you're a Cardinals fan, too. I am. I am. So what's, uh, what, was, what was that all like? I think, I think the uh, large majority of the crowd was, was pretty unhappy. <laughs> with, with <that laughs> I know I was. I know I was, and I don't know still to this day if he just made a mistake or if he was just messing with the crowd. Um, I think a, maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, there are a lot. There are a number of boos after he said that, but yep, not for me though. Uh, <laughs> this was one of few shining playoff moments that, that the Mets did have. It was <laughs> it was game one of the NLCS. Uh, the Mets won six to two. Uh, pitcher of record was Mike Hampton, who ended up being the MVP of that series, uh, and then bailed for uh, Atlanta or Colorado. I think it was Colorado because he says the New York school system sucked. Uh, that was that was a major story in New York for for a year or two. And, but he went to sign like this mega deal in in Colorado after uh, after killing it in this postseason. Um, but anyway, it's you know. 
Cardinals Cardinals took th- three out of four from the Mets this weekend, and uh, you know St. Louis is on quite a high right now. I, I will yeah. say that. And I wasn't going to bring that up, but you know what? I'm glad you did. Um, I've been getting texts from my Mets friends, um, and it doesn't sound like things are going good right now uh, in whatever in this game. Uh, this is recording on Monday, and they're playing the Braves. And uh, yeah, this is this is pretty much the end of the season, I would think. Uh, for them, so you guys have pretty decent team. You'll be in the playoff hunt. Sorry, we won't. See you Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, but, you know things happen. At least we have uh, we have a stud first baseman and Pete Alonso to watch all year. So that that'll be uh, that'll be nice to keep keep tuning into the games to to see him. So, um, but anyway, uh, Ed says that. Doesn't it make you feel better that you're here and not at home watching a stupid fucking game that they lost? And then he says, during the debates, both candidates had heart attacks at the same time. Both of them passed out behind their platforms. And when they tried to revive them, they realized that neither of them had any blood in their body. (laughs) And then he went on to say, sad to say that was a lie as well. And, uh, and then kind of goes off a little bit, and he. This is very much in his. Uh, I mean, obviously the election is a month away at this point, and he's has his platform, and he says, "If you want to hear the truth, listen to Ralph Nader. If you give him a chance." And then he gives people a website uh, to go to. To you know, he's very pro Nader at this point, um, and uh, I don't know how people felt about that, uh, <laughs> and I don't care i really don't care that's not you know i won't i won't even get into that at this point but um he said on the bright side uh you guys will win tomorrow's game and it'll be a seattle st louis uh world series which it absolutely was not it was new york and new york and we all know that how that turned out uh mike piazza should have slapped clemens upside the head and he didn't because he's a good dude. So. Uh, anyway, that takes us into a song that's pretty rare for the time and pretty rare to hear now. So uh, let's get into the final track off by Gnarl. Here is Parting Ways.
pretty rare to hear at this time. Uh, it's only the, the sixth time that they'd, they'd ever played it. Um, they would go on to play it seven more times before the, the tour ended. But after that, this uh, this song has been played only, only 11 times since the original binaural tour it's never showing up and um if you're paying attention to ed solo sets uh you'll see that he's added in a, in a couple of shows he, he's uh he's played parting ways solo which is is kind of cool so uh uh maybe who knows maybe he gets into it at this point and he's like okay we need to bring this back as uh you know, as a gem in uh, the next tour, whenever they decide to do it. So, uh, would you? What'd you? Th- what'd you think here? Oh, I, I loved it. Um, I had heard it, of course, listening to the listening to binaural um, a number of times before that. But uh, yeah, it just that that this song blew me away. Um, seeing it live, um, it just it just had a lot of of emotion and uh, just. Uh, just a uh, just a really powerful song, um, and became my after that that show really became my favorite uh, binaural song. Wow! So yeah, this is I. This is always one that kind of I sort of forget about it, and you know I kind of for a while the end of binaural just you know from sleight of hand to soon forgetting this. I, I was just kind of. It, it tapered off and I, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't digging it as much as the rest of the album, but um, I, I've grown to, to actually really appreciate this song. This is a really strong, powerful ending when he's doing the drifting away part, they get really yeah. heavy in this. And for a song that is very tense and uh, not, it never gets too high. It never gets too too low uh they kind of do that crazy uh you know arena rock hard pounding you know drum uh feedback kind of finish here fantastic uh finish this was this this was really the energy the power that you were talking about with the song yeah and and uh, matt was really really hitting the cymbals hard i thought um i could really really hear him well i can remember that in my head uh i can still hear that uh remember hearing that those cymbals him crashing them yeah it's uh again great we brought up matt's name a lot in the show and and sometimes matt's kind of uh he he's a ferrari but he can blend in so well and this one it was it was a shine it was he yep. was shined up on this show so that this this was a good one for him uh but parting ways does finish the first encore which is a really cool way to finish it 
because yeah. um, it's unexpected. You expect maybe porch would have been the finish and maybe parting ways would have been in another part of this encore. But I, I think it really works as a, a closer for an encore. So yeah. uh, I don't think they would do that nowadays, but um, in, in this spot, this, this, this was really good. Uh, but that takes us into encore two here. Um, and in this era, the second encores are, are pretty short. You got to keep in mind also, they weren't playing alive, uh, during this entire tour because of Ross killed. So your, your typical bread and butter is off the table. And what they end up doing is we'll get to that in a sec, but, uh, it's kind of unprecedented and it's kind of, uh, some of it is kind of terrible. Um, but, uh, Right away, they're going to get us into something uh, pretty rare for the time. And although somebody shouts out Maggot Brain, uh, he says it's not called Maggot Brain. Uh, they get into uh, Sonic Producer uh, kicks off the encore. And I'm going to mention real quick, this was uh, – we sometimes make mistakes on this show. I don't think we've ever skipped the song. Uh, Tampa show from two weeks ago. We, it was the first mistake that we ever made. We skipped the song and it was Sonic Reducer, but it was such a long encore too that, you know, we were getting, I think it was into Better Man and then got into Alive, which were two really phenomenal versions in that show that looking and skipping over Sonic Reducer, I probably had two sentences and notes on it and that was it. So I'm deeply, deeply sorry because I do uh, take this very, very seriously. And um, uh, sometimes we fuck up, so we fucked up. So uh, that is my bad. Anyway, I like how this is the late cover instead of uh, Baba or Rockin'. And it kind of, in a way, fits in with the attitude of this show. It's a little bit tough to explain, uh, but... You know, there, there is some punch to the show and um, and Sonic Reducers not being played a lot in this era during this whole entire tour. They've only played it twice. So uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty good gem to get in your back pocket there. Yeah, no, it's 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 good. I, didn't, I wasn't really familiar with it at the time, but um, I like I mean, it's a, you know, a real good punk punk song and um I thought they 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 belted it out pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I I was I always feel like in most cases they they really they bring out the uh, the energy on the song, and I, I you know this song this was fine. I don't think it was the the best Sonic reducer I ever heard, but I dug it. It was good. Um, I'm just kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting to talk about this here uh, that comes afterwards because this is really kind of what's got me blowing a gasket a little bit. Um, this show's rating overall takes a major dip with this in- the inclusion of this song and the placement of it. Um, it's Last Kiss and Encore 2. You got three songs in Encore 2 and the middle song is Last Kiss. So... I don't know how you feel about last kiss. What's, what's your take on it? Um, I, I like this, like it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, 
and again this is another another wife favorite so she she, she was definitely glad that was in there but uh being yeah the second to last song was is probably <laughs> if you're gonna have it somewhere that's probably not a good place for it yeah it, it's absolutely not a good place for it um yeah. it's just we talked we talked about it the whole show we, you have to build to your big moments and Ledbetter is another big moment that you have to build to. It's the goodbye and last kiss either end on last kiss, which, which honestly, like if you wanted to finish on that, I, I would hate it, but at least I would understand it. Um, and I'm actually really surprised that, that it didn't happen more often in their history. I, I don't even know if it, if it had happened uh, too much, but um it's god you lost all of the momentum that you were going to build in a spot where you would have had a live in most cases or you could have had rocking in the free world or hell you could have started the encore with last kiss sonic reducer led better and that would have been acceptable i won't say good because it's last kiss and i never think it's good but this this was a really, really awful way to derail the ending of your set. And I'm, I'm next to offended by it. I, I really was, I, when I saw it, um, I actually thought last week I, I, I had mentioned that I had thought the set was parting ways into life better. And I was really intrigued to see how that would sound. And then when I saw it was, it was last kiss. I'm, I was really, I was disturbed and I, I was uh, I was going into it with this very, very carefully, you know, like, OK, I know it's not going to work, but we got to hear it not work. And what the what the hell is the point to yeah. pair next week better? It's it doesn't do either song any favors. I think it's like they, they stuck it in there like they were, felt like they should play it and they almost forgot about it. Um, and yeah. just took it in at the end because it was still fairly, it had only been out like a year or so at that point, I think, hadn't it? Right. It was still right. fairly popular. Um, so I think they felt like they should play it and, and maybe, I don't know if they forgot about it, but just kind of stuck it in there at the end. Like I, I get it. I get that, you know, you gotta, that's a song that you got to play for that time period. It right. is that, it is out or near the height of its popularity, but right. to to butcher how you're going to get to Ledbetter is inexcusable for me. Yeah. So, uh, and then really that kind of that took me out of Ledbetter. To be honest with you, this was something I, I read off of Five Horizons. Uh, there's a sign in the crowd, and it says, "Please play Mankind." And Ed apparently shakes his head no. And then they turn the side around and it says, but you promised last time. (laughs) (laughs) And then it says Ed reacted. He kind of shook his head trying to think to see, to remember to see if they did indeed promise it. And, uh, you know, just kind of a a funny moment that is, uh, sort of recreated uh, just by reading the blog on it, but um, they've returned to St. Louis five times since that show and they've not made good on their promise. Uh, no. So <laughs> I think 
uh, in 2020, when they go back to St. Louis, you got to bring that sign back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. If you're making a drive from Tennessee to St. Louis. Yeah, might have to do that. Yeah. That would be good. Uh, but, you know, again, Ledbetter was, was ruined for me by Last Kiss, even though uh it, it it it's not a it's not a great version itself i i think ed's doing a lot of uh mumbling and sort of just uh it, it's kind of like when he doesn't try uh on lucan i think that this is his not trying on Ledbetter. so uh uninspired really until the end where mike breaks out and he's right. doing some some crazy i don't think it's a legit tag. I don't think, I think it's just him doing no. whatever's on his mind. Uh, you know, my footsteps doesn't have it being a, uh, a tag for anything. Uh, but it sounds legit and it sounds pretty cool. So, yeah, that's what I, my notes on that was just that, uh, McCready obviously stands out on, on this one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a no brainer. Right. That's a, sh- that's a shock. Uh, but you know, outs- outside of that part and the way they ended, uh, the song was just ruined by last kiss because, because of course it was. Um, so that really, I was really enjoying the show up until that point and I can separate a lot of things from this show. Uh, you know, I, I can kind of separate from, from that and say like, this was really good. This was really special, but um, it, we're going to talk about ratings right now. And this is going to take uh, a little bit of a hit because of, of that. So, um, all right. Why don't you, uh, why don't you go first? Uh, what, what would you rate this, this show being your first ever show? One of two. Uh, you said that your wife was pregnant uh, at the time. And then you guys, 14 years later, you would take your son to his, his first Pearl Jam show. That's correct. Yep. That's correct. Also in St. Louis. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and how was just uh, real quick, how, how, how was that one during uh, 2014? That was a good show as well. And that one was a, a lot longer show. Um, that one, I mean, that was like, like 35, 34. Yeah. Something like yeah. That. It was, it went on, um, uh, went on for a while probably a little too long for my son but um but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it thoroughly <laughs> um and maybe uh your ne- the next listener's choice episode if if that one uh if you nominate that one and that wins then boy you hit the lottery <laughs> yeah i don't think i'm that lucky but we'll see you never know we'll see you never know all right so uh what do you got for us what what's your rating on this show well it's it got to keep in mind I'd have to be it's it's hard not to be be biased on this one of course um, <laughs> but uh you know probably if you had asked me two days or a day or two after the show I would have said 10 10 plus um but listening back on it I would probably overall give it about an eight and a half okay I, th- I think that's fair and I think it's deserving of that, uh, especially, uh, you have a closer tie to it than, than right. most people would. So, uh, uh, and it has some, some moments that you're not going to see in any other show. So right. yeah. Uh, eight and a half for you. I, um, I'm going to take the good 
and in with the bad a little bit, and they're kind of got to split the uprights. Uh, the good is really good, and most of the good is is the way the songs were performed, and uh, you got a really good moment. This is, you know, we we try to get really unique shows on this show that do have good moments, and one of the uh, early ones that Matt and I had talked about was to, to touch up on this show. So it's, uh, it's good that we got this in year one. Uh, but, um, there was some stuff that was a little, a little off. Uh, I didn't really like the set list construction in the beginning and how things were a little bit erratic, uh, going from a fast one, like whipping all the way to light years to, uh, back to something like, uh, I don't think it was animal after light years, uh, whatever, whatever it was, it was, it was something that was way off of the last song. And it, it really, Oh yes. Yeah. Stated love and Stay trust. Love and trust. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and, and not building off of animal with even flow too, I thought was a mistake and uh, really the egregious error of putting last kiss before Ledbetter is absolutely, I mean, if we didn't have that moment with the interpreter uh, it would get a much lower rating because of that. But I think the good outweighs the bad and I'm going to give this show a 7.5. Okay. I think this is a, a good listen, a fun listen and uh yeah, nothing, nothing too bad out of the binaural era. That that's 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 pretty good. I was worried there at the end you're going to give it a much lower score. So, no, yeah, uh, I, I try when when something is real, you know, real important and uh, and gives the show value. I try to uh, stay true to that with the rating. And um, yeah, if 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 this would be this would probably get like a six or a six and a half had it not had that version of give mm. it a fly and last kiss uh derail the end but um but it didn't and uh it, it's better because of it so uh jeff thanks for coming on thanks for doing this uh thanks for pitching the show it was again one that uh, we had talked about and one that we'd wanted to do for a while. So I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, and, uh, and checking, checking, checking the show out and being, being part of the conversation. We really appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem at all. Glad to do it. It was a lot of fun and uh, yeah, it was a, a good experience for me. First time on, on a podcast, but, uh, hey, but it was good. That. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Did you did you like your first time on a podcast? I did, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I was a little nervous, but but uh, but I enjoyed it. It's nothing too bad. I'm I'm not a shark. I don't bite anybody. You know, <laughs> I'm a little intense, but you know, it's we had fun. Uh, we yeah, talked a little bit about the Blues. We talked about the Cardinals. We had a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you would. Uh, if you were given the opportunity to do another podcast, to do like an, either another band or another topic, what, what do you think you would pick? Another band or another topic? Um, hmm. I would, I might, I would say probably I would have to do like uh, um, Led Zeppelin, probably my second favorite band. Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd. That's something okay. like that. Cool. Yeah, I know. I know that there are definitely a lot of good uh, Zeppelin and Floyd podcasts out there. So, uh, 
yeah, if, if those are those are ones you want to check out, I don't, I don't really know them by name, but uh, right, they are out there. So again, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate the time. We shall uh, talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Randy. You got it. Thank you. So my apologies, everybody. I know uh, you got through about a two-hour-long episode, and you could tell that there were a lot of clicks and pops and some distortion uh, within the actual audio itself. Um, Unfortunately, we were using a different uh, program to record with this time. It was a website. I don't want to... I don't want to kill them on air because uh, their customer service was actually doing a really nice thing for us, but um, it's not our normal routine. I tried something different this week, and uh, I kind of got hosed for it, unfortunately, but um, it's okay because that's not how we intend the show to sound going forward, you know experimental phase let's just put it like that uh although this is week two of me editing that had nothing to do with the editing process so that was all the way that the audio was recorded and uh unfortunately there was really nothing that we could do about it after we recorded i couldn't just call jeff up and and say uh hey need to need to take two more hours out of your day to to re-record that that wouldn't have been fair to him so sorry again for uh you know just kind of uh the audio and how it sounded and promises that we are gonna go back to the original way that we're recording totally promise that so anyway, if uh, you liked what you heard today and uh, have any comments or questions for us about St. Louis 2000 or any shows that we've done in our archives, you let us know at Live on Four Legs. That's the number four, Live on Four Legs podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear next. We're always taking requests. We're always kind of thinking about the next uh, ideas for shows. And although this was a listener's choice episode, we're always listening to the listeners. Uh, and, you know, although we might not get to everything in due time uh we will get to a lot of things as as time goes by we have lots of different ideas and uh speaking speaking of which uh there was an idea that i brought up uh last week in the beginning of the show and i kind of didn't follow up on it so if anybody was thrown off by what i was teasing uh i'm sorry and what i was really teasing was uh, a summer series that that we had planned to do uh that's not necessarily going to be happening anymore. Um, and you'll find out why next week. Uh, but things are going to kind of be in transition in the show and we're going to try something a little bit different this summer instead of what we had intended to do. But I know that I had mentioned at some point, I don't know if I edited it out or not, or I had mentioned it on the social medias, but I had mentioned pink pop. Uh, don't worry. You're getting your pink pop. Pink pop is happening. Uh, sooner rather than later, uh, give it two weeks. Um, so get excited for that. And if anybody wants to write in with a good story about pink pop, please do. Uh, also if you're listening right now and, uh, you are trying to find a good podcast provider to listen to us on, if you're, you know, sometimes people click on the SoundCloud link, we're on all of them. We're on, uh, Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play. Uh, Just find us and subscribe. I do ask you, if you do find us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a little rating, give us a comment, just let us know how we're doing. Uh, We would love obviously five stars but if we're not worthy of five stars we will not take five stars so uh if you if you can if you have the time and you want to rate us on itunes uh or apple i should say itunes is going away no more itunes um 
uh, just hit it over, head over there and subscribe to us and uh, give us a little little rating in the, the five star direction, so to speak. So, uh, anyway, let's move on to uh, what we're doing next week. Matt is going to be back next week. Uh, we'll have uh, something pretty important to talk about in that episode that all of you uh, will know in due time. Uh, and we are going to cover probably the one show that I have been waiting for this whole almost a year that we've had this idea of doing the podcast. And that's, um, we're doing my debut. We're doing my debut, the garden night two, 2008. And, uh, boy, do I have some good, good memories of that. I, I started listening to the show the other day at the gym, uh, and, I realized when I was listening to it that there are some parts that I still little, little things that I'm just like, whoa, I'm, I'm getting a little choked up about it. So, uh, who knows how the conversation will go, uh, when we get to that point, but, uh, it is going to be a good show for sure. Uh, both Matt and I were right next to each other the whole time. That's, you know, that's the importance of, doing this podcast uh, to start with was because I'd been to so many shows with him and had all those experiences. So, uh, you know, it's, it's important that both of us uh, do this episode and, and talk about it. And, you know, obviously part of the MSG series too. So uh, for all of you MSG fans out there and anybody that uh, attended the show that wants to share a story with us, uh, hit us up on, on the Gmail on the social media accounts, uh, Instagram and Facebook, Live and Four Legs Podcast. Uh, any stories that you got? Did you hate Ace Freely? Did you love Ace Freely? Did you love release as an opener? You know, there's so many things, so many good things to talk about. I wrote the song and I fucked it up. That's a good thing to talk about. I know we've mentioned that on the show tons of times, and you'll finally know the origin of that uh, if you hadn't been uh, accustomed to that show. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what we got going on for next week. And then, uh, we'll also kind of talk about plans for the summer and, uh, some other stuff that we're going to be doing with Patreon. Uh, now's the time. If, if you want to sign up to our Patreon, now is the time. Cause we're going to start doing a real lot of content for it. And it's not just, you know, it's not just shows. We're going to be doing some, uh, pretty unique content. I've been sharing some stuff on the social media pages about, uh, songs and their live debuts. And that is going to be the majority of the Patreon stuff that we share. So if you are really into the episodes and you can't get, uh, you can't get enough and you want more, uh, head on over to Patreon and subscribe patreon.com slash live on four legs. And, uh, if you become a Patreon donor, you get an opportunity to come on an episode. So that is a pretty, uh, cool little, uh, thank you that we, we give back to you for that. That's for all you people. Patreon.com slash live on four legs. Uh, we are going to start churning out a ton of content over there. And uh, that about wraps it up for today. Uh, This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. For everybody that listened to the show, St. Louis 2000, we thank our guest again, Greg Kohler, for coming on and talking about his experience. And uh, we'll see you next week for MSG Night 2 2008. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Rick Flair. Look at his t-shirt. Look at the history. Could have imagined how 
Guess what? It's not gonna end. You can say let's go blues all you want, but you know what? We So, instead of saying, let's go, Blues, we're going to say, we went, Blues! We went, Blues! We well, I can't... That's the Hall of Famer. I can't quite determine if that was the best TV of all time or the worst TV of all time, but it was certainly entertaining.